You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and the Sports War Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-pilot, my right seater, and one of my very best friends. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. <laughs> Kevin Jackson! <laughs> Oh man! If you know I've been chopping at the bit. I was chopping at the bit to get our regular intros back, brother. If you have ever had a weapons hot intro, I'm telling you, you've been brought in correctly. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to another episode of uh, Weapons Hot. We're ready to go. I'm excited about our guests. CJ, man, we got a, we got a few things to discuss. Uh, you know, it, 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 there might have been some news made just recently, maybe. Um, yes, right exactly. Now, there, I'm, 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 let's stay focused. There has been focused. some <laughs> so, some major news in New York Jets land, but I don't want to spoil anything for our viewers, for our <laughs> listeners this evening. First off, I want to give a shout out to all of the new listeners and all of the new viewers that may be tuning into Weapons Hot for the very first time on the Worldwide Sports right. Radio Network, on Twitter, on Facebook, or wherever you get your fix from. Big heart to you guys. We love you guys so much, I cannot even express the amount of gratitude that I feel, that my partner feels, for yes. taking the time out of your days to listen to our broadcast here. So again, also I would like to thank the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for taking a chance yes. on us, more specifically Mr. Errol Marks. Dude, yes, we love you. You're awesome. You guys are the best. Yes. So now, without further ado, it's time to get down to meat and potatoes because you know what? We got some New York Jets news to talk about. But before we start talking about the modern-day news, we have a very special guest for you, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to bring him in the right way, the way that Weapons Hot always brings in their very special guests. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the author of Whatever It Takes, (laughs) someone who I have to say... I've read excerpts from the book. It is absolutely amazing. Put your hands together for Mr. Daniel Kelly! Daniel, what is going on, my friend? Hey, I tell you what. I tell you what. That beats that any intro at the Meadowlands right there. I told you. I told you. <laughs> that like, is incredible. Make, make I, you I'm wanna, excited. I want to see the I want to take that jet flag and just charge on the field. That's awesome. I would say make you want to run down the aisle and rip your shirt off and jump in. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Daniel, 
Daniel, welcome aboard, my man. We really thank you for coming tonight. We really appreciate you coming. Um, obviously, you. we got a lot to talk about. I know uh, CJ's got a few things I know we want to discuss, man, but uh, just personally, I want to welcome you aboard. Thank you for coming. I'm, I'm really excited about talking to you tonight. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you both for having me on the show tonight. It's a, it's a huge honor, and I'm excited. Let's put the ball on the team. Let's go. Okay. All right. Well, first things first, Daniel, this is probably the first time that Weapons Hot listeners, as well as maybe listeners around the world, will get the opportunity to see you, to hear you, to hear about your story. Please tell us all just a little bit about yourself. Wow, that's like asking me to summarize the dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you can do it. Uh, A little bit about myself. Okay, the elevator speech. Uh, Grew up in Minnesota, huge fan of the Washington Redskins. had a chance to get uh, get hired by the New York Jets. Uh, Bill Parcells and Bill Bilicek uh, hired me in 1998 to, to be in pro scouting for the Jets. It was amazing four years. Uh, lived an incredible life, met a lot of incredible people, and uh, I'm just excited to see you know what what's what's happening and what's next. It's been a it's been a whirlwind. It's been an incredible journey at this point. Yes. That is really awesome. Please uh, it, tell it, us it, a little bit about your book, whatever it takes. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's the book right here, whatever it takes. Uh, it's available in uh, 11 different countries. And uh, it's it's uh, wherever the books are sold online, uh, whatever it takes, you can go to the book website. There's a little bit more background. And then, of course, any of the books are sold, you can find it online, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it. Okay. As a, right. uh, as, as a, as, as a fan growing up of... Uh, of the Washington football team. I, I kind of just wanted to bring this on and I, I wanted to, to show some love uh, oh. again, again. Uh, yeah, listen, this is, this is oh, of, of wow. significance. Folk, folks know I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jets fan first and foremost. I always have been, but uh, there are players that have touched me significantly. And, and because I know that this was a really impactful period of, of time for you growing up, I just wanted to show some love. I wanted to you know, show some respect oh, I, and, and, and Wow, that is that is big time. That is awesome. big time. That I really appreciate that. Let me let me respond to let me respond to because I, I love Doug Williams and, and people ask me they say sometimes I'm like, hey man, when I start talking about football stats. Yeah. Because, so you remember Doug Williams? I'm like, yeah, January 31st, 1988 in San Diego, the Redskins won 42 to 10. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember Doug Williams yesterday. Matter of fact, you got to get this. I'm gonna respond to your love in my book, whatever it takes. I have a picture. I mean, you guys can see that. <laughs> you see wow look at that that is amazing right awesome pinpoint accuracy i love it awesome love that <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is the best show i've ever been on you guys you got the introduction the doug williams jersey what next <laughs> you make you feel like you're you're at home on weapons hot my man you're you're at home oh, we, we, we appreciate you coming in um especially because your story was as impactful as as it is for me in particular somebody who grew up loving football was passionate about football um you know i've i've done a little bit of coaching you know after after i had uh, some time playing I may mean, not talk about my al bundy stories but um the the impact of football on your life and how it is that you you translated a passion into you know, a, a purpose, something that, you know, has, has, has benefited you and, and your family and, and giving you so much joy. Um, can, can you remember specifically, like, like when was the first time, like you really just, I, you just knew that this was it. This is what I wanted to do. 
I, I think really it was my 17th birthday when my parents gave me a book called uh, Secrets of NFL Stuff by Tony Rosano. Uh, you know, I, I'd always kind of wondered. I had this tremendous burning passion for football, as, as you allude to, uh, Kevin, you know, just you know, growing up and, uh, you know, as a fanatical fan, uh, you know, just crazy. You know, I had, you know, just I ate, breathed, and, and slept Redskin football growing up. And, and so really, I, I never quite got big enough to play. I was kind of and no matter how many uh, large pizzas I ate. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, I, I sucked so bad. At, uh, catch this, guys. I, I was so terrible at playing that when my parents finally let me play, I was the only kid on my entire high school football team not to earn a letter because I didn't have enough playing time. So, so, so when I got my, my you know, this book, Only Rosano, Secret NFL Stuff, this was it. You know, to, to your point, like, Kevin, this, this was it. I, I read it. I just, I, I said, this is it. I'm going to be an NFL scout. And, and he was the 49ers scouting director all throughout the 1980s with Bill Walsh. And uh, he had examples of scout reports in there. He talked about how to scout, what to look for. And I just started recording games. I, I said, I ran through the school. I said, all the kids were listening to them. I said, I'm going to be an NFL scout. And they're like, sure you are. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. So that really was the moment when I read that book and I finished it. I said, boom, I want to be an NFL um, there, there comes a time when, uh, uh, after, after you've had some experience and, and, and right before you, you're, you're getting ready to come to the Jets, I mean, how excited for you were, were you at that time? I mean, during those years in particular, we had really uh, we had some pretty interesting folks here uh, 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 with the organization. I mean, tell us a little bit more about that time and uh, your, your, the period of time that you actually spent out on the road and doing what it is that you do for this organization. Absolutely. It was an incredible time, uh, Kevin. It was an incredible time. Uh, you know, I came in in 1998. Uh, you know, Ray was, uh, I think, came in in 1997 uh, from New England. So I, I came on to the team. And uh, it, it was an amazing experience. Uh, just being around all the guys. I mean, we had star-studded staff, uh, arguably the greatest staff in National Football League history. I mean, we had, as you alluded to, Kevin, we had, you know, Parcells, we had Belichick, we had Mangini, we had Romeo Cornell, we had El Groh, we had Charlie Weiss. So we, I mean, it just goes on the list. Uh, Scott Fieldley was my boss, who went on to become NFL executive of the decade with the New England Patriots. My boss's boss was Dick Haley, the architect of uh, the pro personnel uh, co-director, co I mean, the, the personnel director, rather, and he built the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1970s. Uh, so, I mean, so the whole, you know, he drafted Bradshaw and Mean Joe Green and Lynch Swan and, and, and all those guys. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it was a star-studded staff. Even all the young guys that broke into the game. I mean, we all know the big names, right? But the young yeah. guys, I mean, I broke in the same time period as Trent Baalke came into the building, who went on to become the GM of the 49ers. Joe Wooden, who's the uh, director out in, in, in with the Chargers right now. I was with Chris Shea. I trained him in. He's a pro scouting director in Kansas City right now. We had, you know, it, it was uh, it was just a start. It was a star staff. I mean, it was just everywhere you looked, there was somebody, um, you know, and uh, so it was an incredible experience just being around the building, uh, being around that environment, uh, working with those guys, learning from them. It was, you know, you know, the thing around the building was act like you've been there before, but that was too hard for me to do. I, I, I was too excited. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I, 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 mean, I mean, Joe Namath walked by me in the hallway. Um, I saw um, um, Taylor came to our practice. Uh, John Wiggins at practice. Uh, Joe Tyson came to our building uh, for ESPN. Wow. 
I went to the NFL wow. combine. I watched my like Bill Walsh. I sat on the bleachers next to Al Davis and Eric Dickerson. I mean, it was just the list goes on. It's just it was an amazing four years. Yeah, that's it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was it was incredible. It was it was something where I was like, wow, this is uh, this is amazing. Yeah, I wanted. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of dig yourself up a little bit because um, in giving you the opportunity to name drop a little bit, which is what I would hope that you were doing, um, it kind of just, it, it, it again, maybe just in this period right now, how, how the team is in transition, it really wasn't that long ago that we actually uh, were a pretty good team. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to what it is that we're, we're, we're moving towards now uh, and, and just I wanted to touch upon that specifically because I wanted to get your opinion on um, where it is that we are now. I mean, I know you don't have the inside view like what it is that you might have had during that time, but uh, just like the casual fans that we are from the outside looking in and what it is that you see, um, do you see some things changing a little bit? Do you see, you know, maybe some of the uh, the, 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 the possibilities that, that those guys uh, and, and how they – how you talent and brought in guys in, and, and this past draft of what Joe Douglas has done, are, are you seeing any parallels at all? I mean, you, you, or do you think we're in solid footing, or do you have some questions about where we're going? Because I know I do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's some real questions, uh, Kevin. To to your to your point, um, I, I think the one thing the New York Jets had when I was there, especially with Bill Parcells, is they had an unprecedented leadership inside that building, a very strong sense of leadership inside that building that didn't exist yeah. before Bill Parcells got there, and it has not existed since Bill Parcells left the building. Yeah. And, and it was a real strong, because what happens when you're inside the building, like one of the things that a lot of people don't know this, but one, I mean, it was like a free-for-all before Parcells got there. I mean, when Richie Kotite was there and all, all the guys, right? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, found, I found out <laughs> that, that, that Richie Kotite used to, used to have the, the video guy, Jim Space, uh, take like movies. And, and put him on beta tape. And so he would shut his door in his office and all Rich Kotite would do, according to the video guys, he would watch movies, like, like you know, like, like just like movies. So he's not watching football tape. So <laughs> that might explain part of it back when he was yeah, there. Did, did, it show, did, it, did it show on the field, right? That show yeah, abso field, ab ab absolutely. And, and, and really, you know, it was kind of free for all inside the building. You, you had marketing people running their families through their football operations. You had, you had people, not to think wrong with that, but you had all these people coming through the football operations. It was really kind of loosey-goosey, you know, before, you know, went, went before Parcells got there. And it kind of went back to being that way afterwards, from what I understand, because I also worked with Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, he was on my boss as well during my time with the Jets. So of course, he was the GM for a while. Uh, Terry Bradway was there with him as well. So it, it just kind of it lost that strong-handed leadership that yeah, basically everybody knew there was one voice in the building when I was there, and it was Bill Parcells, and it hasn't been that way. Case in point, this, this whole trade, I know we're probably going to get into it at some point, but with Jamal Adams, it, it, this, this is something where a strong – Jamal Adams is going to go to Seattle where, where Pete Carroll is a player's coach, and he's going to perform very well. They don't have the strength and leadership right now inside the building. That's the big dilemma. They have some talent, absolutely. I love Crowder. You know, I love Al. Uh, you know, I, I love the, the nickel back, uh, uh, the uh, pool kid, number 34. I love him. They have talent, but the leadership is the big question mark. Strong leadership is the big question mark inside the Jets, really, in my mind. 
I, I think a lot of us would agree with that. Uh, CJ, I, I know you had some things you wanted to ask. I don't want to monopolize all of the time here, but then you just solidified some things for me that uh, maybe I was thinking and and just uh, maybe didn't understand fully. But um, the way that this team is is structured right now, I, I, I can see some optimism. Um, but uh, CJ, I don't know. I mean, again, there there are some questions. I, I think. Joe Douglas has done some things to make you think that he's, uh, you know, he might be the guy right now. He might be it. Now, I know we're going to discuss this a little further uh, when we when we move forward. But um, as of right now, the state of the franchise, just uh, even even with some of the the, the last couple of days, um, where where yet? You, you think we made any strides uh, recently? You think anything's changed since uh, the last time we had these conversations? Right now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and Sports War Radio. CJ Simone, along with Mr. Kevin Jackson and our special guest, Mr. Daniel Kelly. So, Daniel, before you answer um, Kevin's question, I-, I did have a couple that I wanted to ask you, and this is in regards to you being an NFL pro scout or former pro scout. What is it exactly that NFL teams look for in regards to scouting? Like, is there a set of criteria that you guys set forth? Is there, like, a grading system? I know that Weeb Eubank, years ago, had, like, a particular grading system in which he graded each player on the New York Jets football team. So I'm curious as to do pro scouts kind of mirror that type of uh, that type of mentality. Please take us behind the scenes. Help us to understand a lot of the things that us as fans that we are just not privy to. Well, that's a great, great point. Um, you know, it, it's something where they do have a grading system in place. Um, I think it was a little bit confusing even to me being inside the building. Is, is the pro scouting department had a different grading scale than the college scouting department, which permitted density. Um, you know, I thought we should just have the same uniform system, but we all had, you know, different, different, you know, grades and stuff we put on players together. There's not numerical grade, you know, with an arrow going up or an arrow going down. Um, because Bill Parcells used to have a, have a saying, uh, but it was an arrow going sideways too. But, you know, for the most part, Parcells said that either you're, you're, you're getting better, you're getting worse, but nobody stays the same. And so we always, you know, if the arrow was going up, then that the player has some ascending values, some potentials on the road. If the arrow was going down, uh, just the flip side of the coin meant that, you know, he was maybe on the decline in his career. And so when we looked at guys, one of the biggest things, guys, that stands out, um, and I didn't have a whole lot of interactions with Bill Parcells besides, hi, Coach, hi, Dan. You know, it, it was I wasn't in the inner circle. I, w- I was a, you know, entry-level guy in the studying department. But one day he sat down with me at, in the lunchroom. We were the only two people in the lunchroom at, at, downstairs at Hofstra. <laughs> he walked up to my table and he sat down with a plate of food. <laughs> I said, here we go. You know, and he said, uh, you know, it, it, he goes, Dan, he looked at me and says, if you do one thing here, I want you to learn the critical factors of scouting. And he just stared at me. And I said, yes, sir. And and so I, of course, immediately, you know, went to see what he was talking about. And what the critical factors are, it's when you're scouting in the NFL, I used to think before I got into the league, that was just about finding the best players on film and all that, but it's much deeper than that. The, the, the Jets were looking for four, five, six core characteristics. Uh, they're looking for guys that were dependable, guys that were coachable, guys with a, a 
you know, the right kind of background, you know, if football was important to them. These are some of the criteria that, that they would look at for players, and then they would, would give them a grade accordingly. So this is really how Bill Belichick has built his dynasty up in New England, is he's identified four, five, six characteristics. He learned from Parcells. He found scouts that possess these characteristics themselves. So when he sends them out on the road, that's what they find. That's what the Patriots keep winning year after year after year, no matter who the, who's in, you know, who's in position, they just keep winning because he has a, a standard, uh, you know, and, and, and where, you know, Bilicek would have, you know, some teams in the league on draft day would have two, three, four hundred guys up on the draft wall. Well, Bill Bilicek, I mean, I, I know my, my mentor is the guy that was the one super, super bowl to fill up in New England. And he told me personally, he said, um, you know, Bilicek's the guy that may have 30 or 40 names up on his board. Now, that doesn't mean the other two, three hundred guys can't play in the NFL. It just means they won't be Patriots. Uh, they're not Patriot guys. So, so that was a big thing for me, is learning specifically about what's called the intangibles in scouting. That was a big part of it. It's not just about, you know, guys can come to pass at 40 or, you know, they can jump the highest, they can, you know, they can catch the ball the best. It's about identifying the right players for your particular system, what you're exactly looking for. That's extremely important when it comes to looking at players. Another big thing I learned is understanding systems. For example, I didn't even know what I got here for myself. This is going to sound really funny to some people. But, you know, when you're looking at a 4-3 defense versus a 3-4 defense, there's a big difference between defensive ends and a 34 defense versus a 4-3 defense. Big when time. Talk, yeah, when I talk about 34 defense to our listeners, I'm talking about three down linemen, four linebackers versus a 43 or a 4-3 defense, basically four down linemen, three linebackers. Big difference, right? Big difference, and the difference really is a defensive end in a 34 is asked to, to hold up the point of attack with the offensive tackles while the linebackers make the plays and they scrape in versus a 43 defensive end is more or less a pass pressure who's trying to get to, 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 the, uh, to the quarterback. So you would never have a guy like a you know that Hunter kid up in Minnesota who's a, a, a demon coming off the end there for, for pass rushing. Uh, for the Vikings, you would never put him in a base 34, for example, because it's a totally different kind of system. Does that, you know what I mean? That, that's Facts. Yeah, it's a huge difference. So you're looking for all these different characteristics and different things. You're looking for guys that fit your particular system, your particular brand. You know, when I say system, I've been taught this by senior scouts who have 30, 40 years of experience in the NFL. When I say system, any system can win as long as it's your system. You know, so, so so if that makes sense. So so it's really yeah, just yeah. about finding the players that, that fit what you're looking to do and trying to do. Uh, one of the things that they had me do, for example, was a young, you know, aspiring scout to go on the road. They had me sit and build Belichick's defensive uh, staff meeting with all the players. And so, they, you know, they wanted me to have a real, get a real good feel. I have a copy of Bill Belichick's playbook at my house. And, and so, it, 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 they, yeah, they want you to talk to them about that, that, that thing. You know, and, and uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, we hear, we hear about cover two as fans, right? We hear about cover two. Well, Bill is covered zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, and so so there's all these terminologies and different things because if you don't understand what they're trying to do, how can you go on the road and scout for them? So there's a lot more to scouting that goes into it. There's a lot of background work that goes into scouting. Uh, one of my major jobs is the entry-level guy in the pro uh, department. I know we touched on this, CJ, offline the other day. Yes. One of the big things that we, you know, we did was a lot of background work. This is extremely important to capture and get a hold of. So, a piece of work, that's, that's the 
I typed like one finger at a time, right? It was real slow. Mm-hmm. Quickly, I became very good at it because I couldn't go home until I got all the, the uh, data entries and stuff about computer systems because Scott Pioli, my boss, uh, who's Bill Parcell's son-in-law, would come in the room and he would hand me a stack of papers about this thick every day with pertinent information highlighted in yellow from all the different courses in the country. And, and, and it would you know be like little blurps here and there, like, like so-and-so speak to him or so and so was arrested by DWI, or this person over here, you know, there's a possible, you know, domestic situation with a girlfriend, or this person over here, uh, you know, they, they, they have, you know, some kind of deal. And all these different information would go into the Jeff's computer system because it's my Amazon company, it, you know, agents, sports agents want to negotiate subjectivity uh, with the clubs and, and it's a club's responsibility to, to negotiate objects. And so, so what they would do is use that background information to pull the, the, the model around that building with ourselves and Pulisic, they built a little bill effectively, but the model around the building was the information gathering business. Always gather, never yep. get you know, so I would enter all this computer, this information, the computer system, background information, and, and um, because that's a big part of scouting is background. So do all this, you know, information and systems. So when agents would come and negotiate with us for with, with the free agents, you know, they would say, Well, yeah, you know, the agent would say, My guy's all ready to go, you know, well, you know, and 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 the powers would be the vets would say, Well, tell us about that, you know, your client's hamstring. They would yeah. say, What do you mean? He said, Well, you know, here in the in the week in December twelfth against Miami. It looks like he tweaked his hamstring again two weeks later. Uh, it was uh, wrapped up. It looks like he was suffering from a hamstring injury again. And, and the agent would just sit there and the whole game, you see the whole game just changing on his face because they realized that they're trying to sell a bill of goods, but the Jets would turn around and say, listen, we understand what's going on. We got six, seven years of history in our computer system. About this you know, we're not going to, we're not going to play this open and play the game with you. If you want to go we can do that. So my Panama was brilliant when it came to doing that kind of stuff. So was Scott Pioli and so was Marcel and Bilicek. The information gathering was a huge part of this. And it gets a lot more intense even on the road because what would happen is scouts would go on the colleges, they'll talk to everyone from the head coach all the way down to the manager. They'll talk to everybody in that building that has seen the kid or around the kid because they want to understand what kind of a man is this that we're bringing into our building. Yeah, that's a, that is incredibly interesting. I mean, wow, that's that's the, these are questions here that that Kevin and I have. I mean, well, well, Kevin so much. I mean, he's actually been in a it, been part of a pro locker room to an extent, and, and you know, he's 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 got some interesting stories. Believe it or not, to share that he's told me off the off the air. So just hearing about what the what the NFL pro scout actually goes through is is to me it's quite fascinating now right. there, there is one major question which is wearing on my mind so i'm i'm gonna put this forth okay um, tell me what it was like to work with bill parcells bill belichick <laughs> mike westoff uh, i mean how how were they a, 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 around the building it was incredible. Have you guys ever seen the movie The Godfather? <laughs> yep, I figured that's exactly what it was like. And Kevin's over there laughing, going, "Oh, great! Here we go!" <laughs> oh, absolutely! You want to get you want to get results. You want to get results. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, my results, results or else. 
to me, you're going to make this play. Or something is, something's going to happen to you. Yeah, just, wait, 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 me, wait, 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 wait. Um, I got one. I got one. <laughs> as, going back as far as I have been, um, for, for me, this that that was that was my favorite part. That was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got one. I got a good one here. All right, Danny boy. You gotta make sure you find these good players for us. You, I don't care what you gotta do to get them in the building. You make them an offer they can't refuse. Because we gotta beat those Patriots on Sunday. We can't have those bastards take their seat anymore. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast, and my very bad impression of a, a of an Italian mobster. I'm CJ the Painkiller D. Small, and joined with uh, Mr. Kevin Jackson, aka Spotty Blackman, our special guest host, Mr. Daniel Kelly, uh, ho- uh, author of the book Whatever It Takes. So now, moving on, there was one more question that I did want to ask you. Obviously. You being able to work with Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Scott Pioli, Mike Westoff, etc. There's one person that I'm dying to know, and only because he's still one of the most beloved coaches in New York Jets history, Mr. Herman Edwards. Can mm-hmm. you tell me what it was like to work with him? Yeah, it was different. Uh, you know, Her- Herman is a guy that that's, that comes from the Tony Dungy tree, and uh, very, uh, very even keeled demeanor, very friendly. Very uh, compassionate, very, um, you know, they did more listening than talking. Um, really had a real mature, you know, type of demeanor to him. And he was very quiet. He was very quiet as far as the most part. Uh, you know, just kind of the exact opposite, maybe, of some of the charisma we had in the building the first couple of years we were talking about. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, players really like him from everything I've seen and heard and everything I've been around is that players tend to really like him because uh, he played in the NFL himself. He knows how to talk to the player. He knows how to relate to the player. But Herman was always great towards me and my interactions with him, which wasn't many. You know, Herman was usually in his office and stuff. So, but, uh, you know, he was always good towards me. Yeah, that's awesome. I I, I tell you, just w- one of the things that always fascinated me about Herman Edwards is the fact that his very even keel demeanor. He was very passionate about football. He was very passionate about his players. And he was also very passionate that he wanted everyone to play their very best. And he knew that playing at their best, that the New York Jets were going to be very successful. Now, he wasn't really one of those guys for, for billboard material, but there was one season in particular where the Jets got walloped by the Patriots 44-7. to And he made it a point to write that number on the blackboard and basically not really say a whole lot more other than 44-7. to And obviously, it was a game against the New England Patriots. So, I mean, what more coaching, what more motivation do you need? And that's the fascinating thing about Herman Edwards to me as a fan, that it was very interesting for me to ask those questions because Herman was not really one of those coaches that we really knew a little bit about. 
So, I mean, yeah, we knew that he, he loved football. He was first guy in the building, last guy to leave as far as the coaches were concerned. Mm -hmm. So you getting to be around him as well as Mike Tannenbaum, so which uh, which also provides a very, very interesting dynamic because Mike Tannenbaum, very good general manager, you know, he he did some damage when he, when he was with the New York Jets and the New York Jets were obviously... You know, a little. Even though they went through a little bit more of a, a roller coaster, they were still rather successful. So now, as as a pro scout, I want you on an outsider's point of view. Tell me what you think so far of the job that Joe Douglas has done up to this point. I think he's 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 doing the best he possibly can with what he has to work with. I mean, he's he's respected around the league. There's no question about that. Um, you know, the people would say, you know, even, even senior scouts in the league would say that he's, he's very good at what he does. You know, now there's, there's great and there's, there's very good and good. And, you know, he's on that scale of being, you know, pretty, pretty good at what he does. So I, I think he's respected around the league and he's just trying to do what he can with what he has to work with. And I think he's trying to you know, maybe, you know, build for the future and put something together. I know, I know from where he comes from, he was really respected. Kevin, anything to add? I know you 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 probably got something there. You know what? I'll be honest. I I have a man crush on Joe Douglas, and uh, I, I'll I'll just kind of try to be succinct about why that is. Um, so much of drama has unfolded. Yes, I had questions initially about uh, his uh, issues with the kicking position last season because I thought the kicker cost us a few games. And I think that that one particular spot really kind of was the first time I felt like I had a red flag about Joe Douglas. Uh, but since then, he has done nothing but make me feel like this is the guy, the guy that we've been waiting for. Um, going through the, the Tannenbaums and going to Exits and, and, and you know, all these, these other guys that, you know, might have been able to add players here, add players there, but who had, you know, a very – difficult flaws in what it is that they did. And that really just made the overall experience with them difficult. Um, I know Joe Douglas is just in the beginning of what it is that he's done. Um, but I'll just be honest, from what I've seen of the players that he's brought in, it's a little bit of a different type of, 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 a, of, a, of a process um, with some of these guys that we have coming in. Now, I know it's going to take some time to, to show, um, but I – love Joe Douglas. I think that Joe Douglas has done so very much to solidify something that uh, over the course of the past few seasons, uh, we've seen, you know, uh, the guy in, in that role not been able to do. So um, I'm excited. I really am excited. I'm, I, I, because I'm a Jets fan, obviously, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, right? I'll say that again. Um, but I'm excited. I, I think uh, and I know we're going to discuss uh, the, the the recent news uh, coming up here, but um, even that kind of solidified for me. I'm just I, I'm 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 willing to give him the patience because I really think that he's going to do a good job long term. Yeah, I completely agree because you know what I mean. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the Jamal Adams trade in just a moment, but I, I think that Joe Douglas could probably handle himself. I, I'm actually trying to find, find the right words to properly express how I feel because obviously this is a, a, a little bit, a little bit difficult. I can't really say what I want to say. Okay, so let me see if I can give you the 
clean version, boys and girls out there. <laughs> Joe Douglas could not have handled any more of a mess the best way that he handled the Jamal Adams situation. Point blank, period. And if you don't think so, then I question you. I question your sanity, and I question how much attention you actually paid with the entire Jamal Adams situation as a whole. Okay? Now, again, we will get into this in just a moment because there are also some other parts of the show. One of the things I did add is that this week is, in fact, our very first call-in edition. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, anybody who would like to call in, okay? The telephone number to call in is as follows. Area code 646-876-9923. And use the passcode 670537 under the meeting ID 239-335-7153. Yes, that's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. You can call into tonight's broadcast and have your voice heard at area code 646 876 9923 under the meeting ID code 239 335 7153 using the passcode 670 537. Okay? So, in, <laughs> right. In doing that, we actually do have our very first caller on the line. Now, unfortunately, with the Zoom meeting broadcast, I really do not have the opportunity to screen calls or whatever, so the next person on the line could be a complete lunatic. So I apologize in advance. Okay, so let me bring this person in. All right, here code 908. Welcome to the Weapons Hot Broadcast. What is your name? Steve Tranny. What's going on? Steve! <laughs> hey, how you guys doing? Steve! All right, doing well. Uh, Kevin, you, uh, uh, Steve, Steve, you are on with myself, Mr. Kevin Jackson, and also Mr. Daniel Kelly. Um, obviously, you yeah. have some questions, so fire away, sir. So cool. first off, I'd like to I'd like to say hello to you guys. Um, I'm a big Jets fan, you know, a caller on Let's Talk Jets Radio. Uh, I guess my first question is: is all of your thoughts on the Jamal Adams trade? He's just talking early. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're a little bit early for, for us talking about the Jamal Adams trade, but uh, you, you uh, I guess that what better way to segue into it than let's just go ahead and do it. So, all right. So he pushed the button. He did. He put he pushed he pushed the nuclear button right off the bat. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jamal Adams has been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. The New York Jets received a first-round pick next year, a first-round pick the following year, and I believe a third-round pick next year, plus also cornerback Bradley McDougal. Um, the New York Jets sent to the Seattle Seahawks, uh, the safety Jamal Adams, and a, and a fourth-round pick next year. So, Steve, in your opinion... Jets, uh, Jets do good in this trade. They win. They lose. What, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I mean, here, here was the thing. It, when I look back at this trade, as of right now, I can't really say who wins this trade right now because, you know, it depends on how 
uh, Jamal Adams does in uh, Pete Carroll's system in Seattle. But I think it's a 50-50 trade right now. I mean, listen, for, for the Jets to get two first-round picks back to get to, to trade Jamal Adams from Seattle, it, it, to me, that was the best part of it. And we also got a player who is almost at the level where Jamal Adams is. I mean, he's had – He's had a lot of good experience at that safety position as well. So, I mean, as of right now, I think it's a 50-50 trade. It just depends on what happens on the field. Guys, so, Ned, so we'll start with Daniel and we'll we'll circle around. Daniel, what are your thoughts? This is part of the reason. This is one of the things that got me in my trouble during during my time with the Jets is I'm pretty opinionated (laughs) about guys. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, I respectfully, you know, I, I think it was a terrible trade uh, personally. Uh, Jamal Adams to me, uh, I watched the Jets last year. It was I did an advanced scout report on the Jets uh, when I interviewed with the Washington Redskins last fall with uh, the president of the team, Bruce Allen. I did a, a full team report and I looked at Jamal Adams and um, can, I, can I read my scout report on him? Please. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I gave him a blue chip grade. Okay, physical blue chip safety with elite range and shows emotion. Despite the Jets' record, he keeps playing hard. Will come up in the box with torpedo inward, fights. Will, 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 will shoot gaps and make impact plays. Hard wrapping, productive, and sure tackler. Third on the team in tackles at the time. Can get sideline to sideline in a hurry. Great range. Shoots in aggressively. Looks super fast at times. Uh, he actually caught Jacksonville's uh, Leonard uh, Fortney from behind in a play, uh, yeah. which isn't easy to do uh, in the yeah. open field when he had a 10-yard head start uh, on one of the games I was watching when he was off to the races. Uh, menace on receiver, running back screens, closes quickly, comes up and thumps players, big hitter, playmaker, grabbed the ball in the hand of the New York Giants quarterback and ran in for a touchdown. We all remember that play. Yep, we all remember that. Stays close in coverage, quick reactions, can make a play on the ball, forced to be reckoned with and blitzing through the gaps, on or off the edge, can tip passes, jumps up, he can get to the quarterback, closes fast, special, Some shows fire and passion, easily the best player in this defense and on this team, well-rounded, all-round great player, fun to watch, not, not fun to play against. The only way the Jets win this trade is if Jamal Adams falls from the airplane on the way to Seattle. <laughs> uh, to, me, to me, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. He's going to go to Pete Carroll's system, and he's going to love playing for Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll's a player's coach. And, and Seattle's probably going to be drafting in, you know, from 20, 23, 24 on down every year. So, so this is not like something you're not – Jamal Adams is a once-in-every-a-decade player. He's a, he's, a, he's a cornerstone player of the franchise. You cannot trade star players. The, the Raiders did the same thing with Cleo Mack. You can't trade star players like this because to find another Jamal Adams in the draft is like it's like picking the winning lottery numbers tomorrow. All right, Kevin, your thoughts because I know you've been uh, a little bit outspoken no, about this. I, this trade, and I, I know I have to be mindful about my language, but it pissed me off to no end. And I will say this again. I do not want to lose Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, to me, is a transcendental player. If you're going to build a foundation of a a consecutively uh, relevant football team, okay, 
if you want to build the, the, the type of culture that makes people believe that the Jets are going to be every single year a team that is going to kick your ass if you do not bring your A game, Jamal Adams is that guy. And, and, and to me, the problem that we have is that we got so much back in draft capital that it makes it difficult to feel the impact of losing, who, again, I believe is quite possibly a Hall of Fame caliber talent. All right? It's just like in the draft. We got players that, oh, yeah, he's a great player. I didn't like to pick. I didn't like to pick. I like players. Right? So this, this is a situation for me where I can't believe you traded Jamal Adams, but wow, we got two first round draft picks and we got a third round. And, and we, right now, Joe Douglas is in a position where we're probably going to eat uh, in the draft over the course of these next couple of seasons, but we gave up a, a Jamal Adams to get it. Well, well McDougal's a decent player from what it is I've heard and what I've seen. Um, I think he'll come in and, and he'll do well. I think to to be able to get a star caliber player back um, and interject him into what I think is a really flexible Greg Williams defense, I think that's going to be awesome for us. Um, it's not going to be as awesome as having Jamal Adams. I'm glad we got the picks. I'm so pissed that Jamal Adams is no longer a Jet. I know the media issues and all of that, and people are going to be grandstanding, running laps, talking about how they were right because we got rid of a guy that they didn't like because he talked. But when Jamal Adams was on the field, that's the only language that I care about. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and, and this is something that I've, I've had arguments about, even going back to Geno Smith. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to keep banging that horse, but I thought we should have played Geno instead of playing Fitz. Organizationally, I think that would have answered more long-term questions for us, and we didn't do that. But, but this is, again, it, it, it's a similar situation to me, um, just in that I think that we, we, yeah. we, don't, do enough, we don't do enough to give our, our draft picks the, 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 the necessary things to succeed here, to build this organization, for us to be good continuously if we're supposed to build through the draft. We haven't done that. Um, listen. I'm so glad that, that we got draft picks. And I know that Jamal wasn't a Joe Douglas pick. Um, I'm glad he got the compensation back. I'm so pissed off that Jamal was gone. I don't know how it's going to work. Um, mm. I, 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 I'm going to have to sit on the fence on this because I'm so mad, but I'm so excited about what Joe Douglas could possibly do. Um, I, I, saw, I, I saw a tweet a little earlier about some of the players that were picked in that range. And, Daniel, you made a great point about the 23 to you know, 28 range. Um, Ed Reed, some of the some of the guys that they named in that list that that were picked in that range, extremely competent, credible names, Hall of Fame caliber guys in certain cases. So I mean, it's possible. We'll see if it we'll see if it happens that way. Um, so listen, I, I I have a an extremely mixed emotion on this because I'm so pissed that he's gone. I'm glad we got the picks. Um, and I've resigned myself just because of my, my Twitter feed and, and some of the nonsense that I've seen on Facebook to no longer really care about what happens to Jamal Adams going forward. I wish him the best, but uh, some of the social media stuff has made it difficult for people to really maybe be able to hold on to some of the good that he did while he was here. And that's unfortunate because he was an all pro. The dude's a beast, man. Seriously. The guy is a monster and we lost him. He's gone. But now he's gone. Let's move on. I mean, let, let's see what, what Joe Douglas does with the picks. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stuff that down. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock that down because I really am pissed off that that he's gone. But uh, we got great compensation for him. What what it is that we got was the only thing that I think that could 
make me feel like we didn't get cheated enough. Um, Daniel, I, I know you. I know Daniel. You had something that you wanted to say, but I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna stop beating that horse right there. Very well said, Kevin. Very well said. Um, definitely felt that in my heart the way you talked about about Jamal. Here's the thing. Remember we talked a little while ago, guys, about the strength and leadership. Thank in you. Building, right. Okay. We talked about the difference between Bill Parcells and all the rest of the guys. This is a classic example of this because I know somebody who played with Lawrence Taylor. Okay. When Lawrence Taylor, when he was with the Giants and Parcells had Lawrence Taylor, Parcells tried to talk to him like he was just another guy. He kind of got on his behind. He talked to him. He kind of just, you know, this was kind of in his ear all the time. Finally, Lawrence Taylor, and I have this from a very credible source, told Bill, it, with, with using some very choice words I won't repeat on the, on the broadcast, he said, listen, if you don't want me, get me out of here. And Bill said, you know what? I got to learn to live with this guy. Yeah. So he actually <laughs> met, he met Lawrence Taylor, who is arguably the greatest, you, you could almost make an argument be the greatest player of all time in football to begin with, but for sure in defense. All the time. Right? In the conversation. Yeah. Right. So, so you, you have, you, Parcells knew how to meet LT where he was at. He said, okay, as long as you give your best effort, do your own thing. Rest of the guys all coach. And look what happened with the Giants. This is a case where the Jets couldn't make that compromise. Jamal Adams is going to tear it up in Seattle. And it's because they didn't have the strength in the locker room to settle him down and say, listen, he should have, Douglas should have walked into the head coach's office and said, listen, we need to learn to live with this guy. Let's get, let's pay him. Let's show him some love and let's just let him do his thing on Sundays. And that's the difference between a Bill Parcells coach team and what we see right now. Listen. I'll die on that hill with you. I'll bring as much ammunition as I have because I actually believe that there that is the only answer. I, I'll say this again, and, and I just want to wrap this up because I know I've, I've talked about this already too much. But um, the, the contract issue, I don't think, should have been a problem. Nobody can argue that we should pay Jamal Adams. Um, the discussion about what it is that we should pay him, I think that's an interesting conversation to have. But I also think that Jamal Adams, if you really think about it, if, if, if Joe Douglas is going to say and, and recognize who Jamal Adams is as, you know, a top three defensive player in the league right now, top five, even if, even if you really want to make some outlandish arguments, um, you're still talking about a guy that impacts every layer, every level of the defense. He's in the backfield on the run. He's at the line of scrimmage. Um, we've already seen him um, in impacting pass routes run by tight ends at the highest level. We've seen it. The, the guy's an all-pro. If, if I can just cut that there. I think giving him $17 million a season was worth it for us. Now, how it is that we utilize these guys going forward and what, what Greg Williams is going to do is going to go a long way to, to being able to say we're not going to miss this guy, um, I still going to miss him. I'm going to tell you right now. As as a, as, a, as somebody that played defensive back, I'd want him on my team. I don't care. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how it works out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to shut up. Sorry, just I'm done. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> All right. So anyhow, now I'm going to say my piece, and I know that both of you are not going to like it. Okay. <laughs> So, but you're all going to have to learn to live with I, I can't wait to listen, CJ. Okay. I know Steve's ready. I know Steve's ready. Okay. 
Kevin knows a tomahawk is coming. He's already he's already ready I, to I, duck. I, I know. I know. Okay. All right. So look. <laughs> all right. Let's start all the way to the beginning when this garbage started happening. Okay. Whatever conversation that Joe Douglas had and Jamal Adams had, I don't know if they pulled out their secret secret wars Dakota rings or whatever the hell they needed to do. But in plain English, Joe Douglas should have grabbed Jamal Adams by the jersey and say, look, this is what we got to fix on this team. Full disclosure, I need a new offensive line for Sam Darnold. I need to get him some weapons. We need to fix this offense here. So look, if you bear with us for a little bit, we will take care of you. Just shut your mouth, play the good soldier, and don't be a pain in the freaking ass. Can you do that? And the problem was, was that Jamal Adams could not. And I don't care what his rationale, whether you think he's right, whether you think he's wrong, whether you think he's smoking crack, pot, whatever your drug of choice is. Okay? The bottom line is when you pick up your Twitter handle and you completely go scorched earth on the team that's signing your checks, you know what? At that point, I don't want you here. I don't give a damn how good you are. I don't give a damn how many Pro Bowls you've been to. I don't care what you've done for this team. Because you have to stand up and be a leader in that locker room. Plain and simple. And by doing that is the actions you do both on and off the field. This is why I went nuclear a few weeks back, Kevin. And you were there on that I podcast, I and know. I know you I were know. trying. You you, you were know. like, oh my God, I gotta get up and walk away because this is getting re- this is getting crazy. Okay. I know it's coming. Whoever it was it who was Joe who who was Jamal Adams handlers should have grabbed him by the throat and told him to shut his mouth, should have taken his Twitter away from him and said, if you don't stop this, you're not going to get your deal. But you know what? He had blah, 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 blah. Okay. Oh, okay. You know. So let's go and cozy up. Wait, wait, wait. I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. Okay. Come on. Come on. So you want to go and cozy up to other fan bases, let other people take cell phone videos of you. Yo, man, come to Dallas. Yo, come to Dallas. Yo, I'm trying, man. This is a player on my football team. On the football team that I bleed for every day. And I got to watch this. Okay? And you want me to pay you $17 a year for this? Oh, I wish I was playing in Dallas. Oh, I wish I was doing this. Oh, I wish I was playing here. Oh, I wish I was playing there. What kind of a message does this send in the locker room? If if, If I'm a teammate at Jamal Adams, I'm looking at him like this. Every time that man opens his mouth. In the room. I love it. Wait, wait, wait. When he going, come on, let's go out there. Give 100%. I'm looking at him like this. I got to, I got to, I got to jump in. Hang on now. Listen, I got something I'd like to say to the other two guys, CJ. Hang on. See, the thing is what Joe Douglas does, guys, is he is a type of a person that he's not going to be too sure about 
if I really, really want to give him this contract. Listen, and Joe Douglas said a lot of great things about Jamal Adams. However, though, when you look at this team, and for those of you who follow Long Beach Joe on Twitter, uh, I forgot what his Twitter account is, but you got to understand, you guys. At Young J Triple Zero. Yes, thank you. Thank you, CJ. You guys have to understand, though, that this is an offensive type of league. Listen, Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the league, and I love Jamal Adams, too. But at the same time, this trade that Seattle offered yesterday, when Joe Douglas heard about this trade, Seattle was willing to give us not one, but two first-round picks. You cannot say the word no to what Right, did. you can't. That's why. You that, uh, that's why I don't have an now, issue with this deal, Stephen. That's why I don't. No, have but an yes, issue but CJ, deal. CJ, hang on a second, CJ. I know you're going to lose your mind in a second, but hang on, guys, listen. <laughs> Whatever part of it I have trade. left. <laughs> yes, but but you know something. The way how Jamal Adams was on Twitter the last couple of months, and this is and and this was something that even pissed me off as a Jets fan. It's like, dude, come on. And I'm going to tell you something. If Adams was still on the team by the time when training camp was going to begin, this is what's going to happen. Oh, I pulled my hamstring. I couldn't practice. I I I, uh, I hurt my arm. I did this. I did oh, okay. That. So then you know I what? You sit on the I bench and you today. rock. Let me let me wrap this up because because Steve, I I, I think. I think you're making valid points, Steve. I just don't know do I agree with how that would have worked out. And, and I'll just say it this way. CJ, again, you know, I love you like, I, I love you like cooked food. You're my guy, right? And you're, you have all the points in the world. Everything that you said about how Jamal Adams responded to this situation is, I mean, as, as a grown-ass man, I agree. The problem is, is that going back to what Daniel said, the leadership chasm is sustained. Did Joe Douglas grab him up and say, look, you know, shut up, you know what I'm saying? If he didn't do that, and he told Jamal, listen, we're going we're gonna to get you a deal, and then, you know, he, and I said this before, I said he doesn't even send him a hey, big head text. You don't even call him. You don't say nothing. Nothing is, is discussed, and you're just going to assume that, oh, yeah, COVID-19, uh, you know, you, you should already know that you're going to get it. Yeah, that was the wow. other thing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, because no, that was the no, other thing. No, that was no. that was the other thing that, that he was basically saying, oh, Joe Douglas is not meeting with me because of COVID-19. It's like, okay, but here's the thing, Jamal. Video chats were, were invented. You know, you could have said to Joe, you know, can we have a video chat about yeah. it? But the thing is, It's though, not Jamal's place to do that. It's not Jamal's place to do that. It's not. Hang on. Hang on a second. As an organization, as an organization, they are the ones that are responsible for how it is that they handle relations with a player. If yes. You have a I agree with that, Kevin. Player, I agree with that. I, 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 I've been a manager before. You, you manage egos. You manage personality. You manage skill sets. You manage all of those things. And if you're effective, you'll be successful. This is the situation where the team was not effective in handling a, 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 a volatile player, but also one of the best damn players in the league. Come on now. Right. What the hell? What the hell are we talking about? And, and again, I'm going to ease up just because the 
doesn't make sense that again now we're going to look back and we're going to say, oh yeah, Jamal, it, 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 Jamal was mad. Jamal was mad. I'd be mad too. See, yeah, you remember the analogy I just made in our chat? It, it, it's a family show, so I'm not going to discuss it. But right. if, if you were promised, if you were promised something and you didn't receive <laughs> it, you'd feel, you, you feel a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Even if you didn't black out, right? Even if you didn't run around, you know, you know, swinging the pamper. If you didn't do that, you still feel a certain way. And I didn't, I didn't like the way that Jamal handled it. But I think that the team oh, has a, a little bit more of a responsibility here. I think the team had more responsibility here to make this work, and they didn't do it. And then, you know, again, you got to think about it this way. I personally, and, and I'll, I'll stop here. I personally, I'm looking at this deal, and I'm thinking Joe Douglas didn't want it. I don't think Joe Douglas wanted to do it. I think the only thing that made it necessary to pull the trigger was that article. That If, if, if that deal had been on the table for, for days or weeks or whatever, and he didn't already sign it, what was the trigger? The article. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, now so look, we, 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 got, we, got, we got a boatload of compensation back. We lost yeah. one of the best players in the league. No, yes, yeah. okay. Okay, okay. Yes, I understand where you are coming from. And you, you're, you're right that, yes, we did. But now the thing is what you got to do is now – I'm going to tell you something right now. If we still had, I made this thing on Twitter today. If we still had Mike McCagnan as our general manager, I am telling you he would pay Jamal Adams. And the thing was, if you look at the Jets cap space really, really clearly, this was two things that was going to be a problem. Number one, Jamal Adams is basically asking a kind of money that a franchise quarterback has like, and, and the, now the other thing is what you have to look at is with this. If we gave Jamal Adams that kind of money that he was asking for, you know what was going to happen? Our cap space would have been dead low below. We would have had very low cap space with still some needs that we need. Like the goal is of this team is, is as of right now is because if Jamal just would have kept his mouth shut and be like, okay, I'll wait, but he didn't want to wait, we have to build around Sam. Mike McCagnin could not do it. What Joe Douglas did, he got Makai Benton in the first round, which is a big upgrade for the offensive line. He even went out and got very good offensive linemen in the, in the free agency. Look at what he did in round number two. Denzel Mims fell right in our lap, okay? It's a good right. pickup. And you guys have to understand that this is an offensive type of league. Now, looking at our defense, okay, we have one of the best defensive coordinators in the league in Greg Williams. You mean, despite the fact with the 30-plus injuries that we had on injured reserve last year, guys, we were still ranked a top five defense, CJ, because right. of Greg I, uh, Williams. Right. I agree. I agree, Stephen. All uh, all excellent points. And then after we make this point, unfortunately, we got to let you go because I got a couple of people that are that are waiting That's for fine. the opportunity. And, and also, on. one last thing, okay. CJ, before before I before you say anything, look at okay. what happened when we trade Leonard Williams. Our defensive line was amazing last year when Leonard Williams left. I, I can't I right. can't let you slide on that comparison. I can't let you slide on that comparison. Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams, nah. Right. That's not a right. conversation. Well, to be well here's the thing. Yeah. 
Here's the thing, and Stephen, I'm going to let you go with this one, okay, bud? Re- regardless of however Jet fans feel about the Jamal Adams situ- the Jamal Adams contract situation, okay, both sides are to blame here. Now, if Joe Douglas would have probably grabbed uh, Jamal Adams earlier when this really started getting out of line, then I could possibly see that maybe Jamal Adams in the last couple of weeks doesn't go all scorched earth on the entire franchise that could be a possibility but right now we're never going to know we're never going to know what conversations took place in the building what conversations actually took place between Jamal Adams and Joe Douglas because you're getting Jamal Adams side and the Jets really have not really said much except they categorically they categorically denied that they all or that they promised Jamal Adams anything okay and then Joe Douglas coming out again after the draft saying they still have a desire to sign Jamal Adams for him to be a Jet for life. They reiterated they never changed their stance. But this could be a question of the Jets didn't do it on Jamal Adams' timeline. Jamal was not waiting for the Jets. Maybe Joe Douglas, seeing all of this social media stuff, questioned his commitment to the team questioned if he was all in to uh, buying into what it is that the New York Jets themselves are trying to rebuild. So let's face it. There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of questions we are never going to get the answers for, but I hope that we did clear up a few different points of view for you. So real quick, before we let you go, give out your social media information so people can act. Can, no, uh, no problem, CJ. First off, it was great listening to you guys. You guys seem like awesome fans of the team. But now for my information, you can follow me on GangreenStevo1992 on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook. It's Steven Tranny. Uh, you know, listen to uh, Let's Talk Jets Radio every Tuesday nights from 8 o'clock. You know, I'm with Tyson Routh, Primetime Kevin Surskin. Uh, your boy Tyrone, CJ, has actually become a bit of a co-host Killing on it. that show. I mean, he's, it right he's, now. No, he, he – he is so He's much fun right. to listen to, man. Yeah, yeah. And and you guys know something. You call you call in on the Jets. If you call in on that show Tuesday night, the information's on Twitter at let at Talk Jets Radio. So thank you guys very much for having me. And you know, go Jets and good night. All right, take care, Steve. Thanks for joining us. No problem, man. Bye bye. Steve, Steve's a really smart fan. Um, I've, I've obviously we've interacted with Steve uh, for a few years now uh, on on Twitter and on uh, on the other show. Uh, I'm glad he called in. I hope he continues to call in. That was dope. All right. So so <laughs> now just really – listen, I told you this was going to be a fire show tonight, and we were going to be fired up exactly yeah. what was what was going on. I hope that, you know, Daniel will still come on in the future with us. I hope we're, hope we're not scaring right? this, this poor man off. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, glad no. Daniel came in. I'm oh, glad no, Daniel came in. As a matter of fact, CJ, as a matter of fact, that's the kind of fire that I'm talking about that we haven't had in the building since Bill Parcells left. You okay. put fire into okay. that building than anybody okay. who's coached in that team for the last 20 years. <laughs> they don't want me as a GM. They well, don't want me as a GM right. because they'll, they'll hear me down the hall. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny about that is before Joe Douglas took the job, I actually found Woody Johnson's email address. I sent him an email asking him if I could come in to be the GM of the team, telling him I could win a Super Bowl 
So we may be on to something, or as my okay. old boss says, either, either we're on to something or we're on something, well, but either way. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> because look, look, you know, besides, besides my insane Jamal Adams rant, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to find very, very entertaining, but also very informative <laughs> at the same time, okay? The, the, the bottom line is, is that, look, the both both team both parties are to blame, and you know what? Regardless of whatever the Jets got in compensation, I'm going to miss Jamal Adams as the player because yes, he does bring a chemistry, he does bring a catalyst. He's asked to do a lot of different things, but guess what? We don't need the garbage that that surrounded him. And in my opinion, I just feel like all of it could have been avoided. I, I really could. Daniel, Dad, I, I I know you're itching to say something. <laughs> now, I was just going to say, that fire is what, exactly what's needed. And that's exactly what's been missing. So I love I loved the uh, you going off about Jamal. That was great. Daniel, I, I wanted to thank you again for coming on because the insights that you provided tonight are insights that, you know, you kind of kind of just can't get from uh, casual fans. Um, really wow. thankful that you, you, you jumped on with us tonight. Always, always, please, you know, you, you have an open invitation, I'm sure. Um, yes, you got somebody absolutely. else on the line? Yes, yes, we do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bring them on. This uh, this ought to be fun. So again, ladies and gentlemen, I just uh, uh, really quick, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and also on Sports War Radio. CJ the Painkiller, D. Simone here, Mr. Kevin Jackson there. We've also got Mr. Daniel Kelly here, author of Whatever It Takes. Go and check out that book. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring on our next caller, and I just want to go and just let you guys know. I don't mind you guys calling in. Just please, no profanity. <laughs> please. Okay? <laughs> All right. So, uh, 757, you're on the air. Welcome to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets broadcast. Who are we, who are we speaking with tonight? Yo, this is Tyrone from Virginia. What's up, baby? <laughs> 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 I knew, I knew, I knew it was going to be lit tonight, my guy. Welcome aboard. Thank you for calling. What's good? Hey, hey, man, listen, bro. I, I was, I was, I was out with, with, with the ladies, yo, and I seen you guys, I was scrolling through um, Facebook. I said, oh, my, are they on tonight? Let's play. But, um, <laughs> hey, look, man, hey, I'm going to tell you like this, man. You know, I couldn't wait to, to, to um, unleash this, 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 monstrosity of what's going on with the Jets right Keep it now. clean. But, keep it clean. That's all I ask. <laughs> nah, bro, listen. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm not as mad as everyone else is. You know, um, I think that, you know, the most important thing is, man, that, yo, Joe D got a great deal for Jamal. Now, everyone understands, man, I didn't want Jamal to go anywhere. I mean, he's a, he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. He's a franchise uh, player. He's a great player. But what he did, and, you know, the last movie pulled, he didn't have a choice. So we were looking at a second and a third. This man got two. He got two first, a third, and a player that can actually ball. You know what I'm saying? So if anybody's mad about a player who don't want to be on the Jets, what can you do? I mean, listen, yeah. his hand is tied, bro. You, he had no other choice. And to be able to pull that off, hey, man, salute, man. I, I'm with it. Not mad. Not mad. Great points, Tyrone. So, I mean, I was thinking that the the, the compensation really was was – the only thing that really kind of made the trade not a horrible trade, you know what I'm saying? If you if you really think about it, anything less than that, and I think we would have all been pissed off. Um, you think if, if we would have got the one and maybe the third instead of the two ones, you think the you think the outrage would be different? You think folks would be uh, would would be arms about that, or you think you know just because we got the two first, everything was good? I'll be honest with you, um, 
Kevin, I mean, either way, I think everybody would have been outraged anyway, but I think you couldn't be mad. As much dirt as he did, I don't know who his agent is, but he has to be, yo, he has to be an idiot, bro, to, to tell your client to do this. Thank you! Thank you! Somebody who freaking agrees with me! How many weeks have I been saying this? Hey, every, week. Cats, uh... every week. <laughs> every week. <laughs> How long has this show been on the air? How long have I been saying this? That's why you the painkiller, D. Simone, baby. You, listen, hey, listen, bro. Y'all understand, y'all understand this man makes no sense. It makes no sense to drive down your value. Like, to be honest with you. Now, look, to me, I was in the moral line on the, on, on the outlook of, look, you don't want to act right, Jamal. You know what? You sound a bitch. Shut up. I can't let. I'm not letting you go for nothing. It makes no sense. So for for him to get two first and a third, and people would have got a first and a third after all this kid pulled. Bro, there's no listen, man. To me, he's a magician. But like you said earlier, <laughs> hey, this had to be this had to be a deal that's already in place. This had to be something done already. You know what I'm saying? Now, I mean, but you had no choice. But man, listen, for him to drive down his value like that and still get a, a two first and a third and a good player, you know what I'm saying? You sleep on the player we picked up. So listen, I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I hate to see Jamal go. I'm gonna be real with you guys, man. I'm gonna be a little petty, man. Last night, I went in the den last night. I took Jamal's picture, uh, poster off the wall. I ripped it up, threw it in the trash. That's what I did. I'll be honest with you. I did do that last night. I was a little mad, a little frustrated. I was a little agitated. That's what I did. I, I almost, I almost blocked him on Twitter the other day. So I feel you. <laughs> so, Daniel, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this. As far as the Jets and compensation. Do you think, I mean, obviously, given the, given the type of player that Jamal Adams is, okay, it, it, in your opinion, former NFL pro scout, do you think the Jets got enough? No, not at all. Not at all did they get enough. You're talking about a Hall of Fame player. You're talking about a guy that's going to go up to Seattle I go to another seven Pro Bowls. Uh, this, this is, you're, you're only going to get picks between 23 and, and 32. You know, so to me, it's and, and listen, the first round draft picks, 50 percent of the guys that don't don't pan out just about. Right. So so it, it's really it's 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 like you're trading. A, a For me, he's almost the most dynamic player New York has had on defense since Taylor was there. I mean, yeah, he, he is a dynamic, charismatic, championship caliber guy you can build your team around. And, and, and to, to let a guy like that go, it's just like the Raiders trading Cleo back. To let a guy go like that is a proven all-pro player who can just take over a game by himself for two number one draft picks between 20, which really amounts to a low first-round pick, a couple low first-round picks, and some player in a third-round pick. Remember the Herschel Walker trade? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Herschel Walker trade, you know, they gave the Vikings gave up the farm for this guy. This is the type of guy you should get four number ones for at least. If you're going to get a guy like Jamal Adams, you're going to trade him. To me, there, there's guys. You see, Parcells used to call a lot of guys just a catch. That was a saying in our building, which stood for just another guy. There are so many just another guys right been on film and watch. Ah, uh, Jack. And when you get a Jamal Adams – you're talking about a once-in-a-decade player, if that. I agree. So, Tyrone, okay. you had a question for Daniel. Fire away. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, I got a question for you, Daniel. So, yes, sir. What was supposed to be? What was supposed to be done in the outlook? The man had he diminished, he demolished his trade value. 
This man, listen, this man took shots at everybody in the organization. Listen, he's lucky he got he's lucky he got a bag for him. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I understand what you what you're saying. I've been saying this from day one, and I will always say this. I'm not a fan of Jamal's no more. I'm be real with you. But yes, he's a once in a lifetime player. I've been saying this. But what can you do with a player? Listen, how long can you love somebody who don't love you back? How long can you keep a player who don't want to be there, bro? That's what it is. So yes, we should have got more. But Jamal didn't help the situation. I mean, listen, if he wanted to go to Dallas, I'm pretty sure he could have went to Dallas if he would have shut his damn mouth. He chose to he chose the childish way of doing it. So no, I don't respect him and I, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not sold on Joe Douglas, but I respect what he had to do as a man. Okay. As a man, as a team, it's bigger than one player. So no, he could be a life mm-hmm. he could be a once in a lifetime player. But if a player does that to your organization, spits in the fans' face, spits in the ownership's face, spits in the front office face and every teammate face. He don't care. Le'Veon just said, bro, you lied to me, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's Man, right. Le'Veon Bell know, called uh, called out Jamal Adams on Twitter big time. And, and yeah, Jamal, should, Jamal should not have responded to that, but I, I, I get that. Go ahead, Tom. No, he pulled a female move. That's what that's what your that's what your woman do when she mad at you, bro. She she just keep picking. That's what they do. That was that was childish and emotional, and it was it was to be to call yourself depressed. You didn't act like you didn't act very presidential. You act like a little ass child. That's why you can't respect that man. I have fought to get this. I have fought and said over and over, pay this man. Nah, bro, do whatever you got to do. You that guy. But like I said, man, I don't care what anybody says. Any Jeff fan, if you don't respect Le'Veon Bell, you're a damn fool. This man stood up and been a class act for this organization since he's been here, bro. Nah, man, kid's a joke, man. You know what I'm saying? I I hope he's gonna see how they lose. I, I'll be honest with you. He, I think he'll, he'll still ball well, but I'm not sure if, if they're going to ask him to do the same thing that we asked him to do here. So the impact will be different. It's going to be that big. Um, Tyrone, you, you, you make some awesome points, man. And, and, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, maybe the void that is left by Jamal Adams leaving. And, uh, I mean, I know we got the guy back. And I, I know you, you kind of touched upon McDougal and the fact that the guy can ball. Do you think uh, actually losing Jamal maybe – maybe makes our defense a little better overall because of some of the flexibility that comes with uh, you know, different players? Or, or do you really think that we're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to see a little bit of a step back? All right, I'm going to say something, man, and it's going to make me sound more like a, a hurt fan than anything else in the world. But Jamal's been with us for three years, right? Have yeah. we won any more games with Jamal being there? Jamal's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, have we won any uh, more games with Jamal being there than did we, did we do it in the playoffs? No, we didn't. That's hard though, bro. That's hard, bro. Yeah. I mean, we, we 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 wouldn't have won as many games if he wasn't here, though. You really listen, think about that. Listen, the, listen, the, the impact I, is I'm, here, though. Listen, I'm not, I, bro. I was, I said, I sound like an angry fan. So let me finish. <laughs> so what I'm saying, <laughs> I had to get that out of there. So, no. At least he spoke so, the truth up, on that one. I can't. I I, I, I can't. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be real with you. So what I'm saying is this: Yes, you, you're going to miss that void. But that makes the next man up. I mean, no one can replace Jamal. So the productivity at that position is definitely going to be diminished. You know what I'm saying? But listen, if we're picking up C.J. Mosley coming back, we have players coming back that can really help us. So, yeah, that boy, listen, nobody's going to replace Jamal. No, I'm not saying that. The kid had seven sacks last year, about 139 tackles. Now, you can't replace that. But what, what I can say is this, though. That doesn't mean our defense is going to just automatically fall apart because Jamal's not there. Yes. Uh, you don't know see what I'm saying? 
I mean, this is the whole point. I know everybody's frustrated. I know everybody's upset and mad. But at the same time, man, the defense is going to be – we go from being a top-10 defense to a top-25 now? Come on, bro. Listen, I mean, we're going to drop some – we're going to drop some spots, but honestly, you're going to tell me that Jamal had that big of an impact to where we're going to go to be just an awful defense? I, I don't, I don't buy that. I mean, Jamal was a great, a great safety, and I'm going to be honest with you, he's better at being a boxer than he was anything else. His coverage skill wasn't top, wasn't top five in the league. It wasn't. Just facts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now is he? Wait, guys, real quick. I just want to go into the comments over here for people that are that are actually that are actually watching. And I want to say thank you to every person that's watching, every person that's that's commented. So um, if if I don't get the opportunity to to get to your comment, I do apologize. But really quick, Simon Beccarella, shout out to him. Everyone is worried about Bob. But we went 16 and 32 with him. I'm sure we could have done that without him. You know what? He's he's got a point there. Okay, the strong safety is not a valued position. You don't build a team about a strong safety. He is not a Troy. Okay, I understand that. Sion Arthur said, please, uh, appreciate you. I, I, I appreciate you watching and commenting, even if you don't agree with the takes. All right, uh, Simon Tyrone, uh, uh, Simon Baccarelli gives Tyrone a shout-out. So, Tyrone is speaking facts. We have C.J. Mosley and Avery back. Forget Jamal. C.J. is way more imp- impactful than Jamal. And those are the comments thus far. Again, I want to thank everyone who commented. So, yeah, this is the uh, this is quite interesting. I I really think that, you know, we we all kind of feel a little bit of that, you know, kind of like, I don't know, st- uh, scorned ex girlfriend or whatever that they they left for like the pizza boy or whatever. So uh, I, I I mean. <laughs> I don't know. That's the best analogy I can think of at this point. Okay, Suri. All right. So, uh, but but at this point, we we now we we kind of sort of have to pick ourselves up and move on with it. So now, how does Jamal affect? How does Jamal's departure affect how well the defense is going to play? And again, that means there's going to be more pressure on C.J. Mosley to have to step up. More pressure on Ashton Davis now to contribute. Marcus May is going to be thrust into the forefront. No stranger there. I mean, I, I, I really think that he's primed to have a big year himself, you know, and, and now McDougald being thrown into the fold. Now, even with the departure of Jamal Adams, I still don't see a weakness in this New York Jets secondary at this point. So in a way, we may suffer a little bit in the short term. That's okay. We're Jet fans. We've been suffering for God knows how long, okay? All right, but if it turns out that by losing Jamal Adams and gaining these first-round picks and gaining the third-round picks and Joe Douglas pulling the trigger and not being afraid to make the difficult decisions that maybe need to be made, not being afraid to make the unpopular decisions that maybe need to be made, okay? Let me remind, uh, we we could potentially see the Jets start to turn the corner and start to be a little bit more of a respectable franchise here, which is all what we want. We're tired of being the basement dwellers, okay? And mind you, let me remind everybody, okay? Joe Douglas brings three Super Bowl rings to the table. That's three more than anybody else that the New York Jets have brought in, save for Bill Parcells, that they can talk about. So this guy knows how to win. So if if there's any chance, if there's any reason for the New York Jets fan base to be patient, it's right now. 
because you got a guy right now that learned to cut his teeth under Ozzie Newsom, okay, who built championship roster after championship roster. Joe Flacco got a friggin' ring, okay? So Joe Flacco's a good quarterback, or he was right. a good quarterback. And, and also, the Baltimore Ravens, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens with Ray Lewis, they want the, they want a championship via their defense. Okay, what the Jets have a very good defense. We have a top ten defense. Great special okay? teams. So we, we have a great teams special teams core. We just need the offense to catch up to the defense. If the offense can give us a little bit of light, we get that quality offensive uh, offensive line play that helps Sam Donald be able to take that step forward that we're all hoping and praying that he does. Okay. This may turn out to be a win for the New York Jets in the long term rather than us just being so myopic and being focused yeah. on that one player that's now no longer there. CJ, you, 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 you're killing it again. Um, and and I, I kind of tossed Tyrone a meatball because I kind of expected he was going to knock it out the park just like he did. What, what I, I kind of I, I wanted to kind of get to where it is that you just were. Um, we've got a, a, a really solid defense, and, and I want to just touch upon that because we are going to get C.J. Mosley back. Um, if we're smart, I think we keep Avery Williamson. Um, if we do keep Avery Williamson, I think that, that, that ridiculously upgrades what our linebacking core looks like. Um, I, I think we've actually got kind of a double starting rotation on the defensive line because Foley Fadakasi, Nathan Shepard, Quentin Williams, Henry Anderson, all of those guys, I mean, they're almost interchangeable if you really talk about being able to get production from those guys. I'm not really worried about the defense. I think the defense is actually going to be – I think the defense is going to be better than where it is that we were. And that, that includes now uh, with the loss of Jamal Adams. And, and, and I hesitate to say that because I, I, I was so adamant about – you know, of what I feel like Jamal Adams is worth to this team. I just think that Greg Williams now, especially with the depth that's been added to our cornerback room, um, with the depth that now we have uh, even the safety room, because you got you still got to think, we still got Doug Milton, we still got those guys that are still waiting in the wings that were, you know, our depth position guys. Um, now they're going to be competing against some of these rookies that are coming in, Ashton, and also uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the guy that we just got from Seattle. So it, it's going to be interesting. McDougal. The defense is great, especially – Exactly. Excuse me. Thank you. And, and I got to remember his name. Um, I also think our special team is actually, I, I, I had the number right off and I was looking at it earlier because um, I think special teams is really going to be something that is going to be one of the things that wins us a few games coming into next season. Um, I think not, not just the, the addition of Braden man who we'll see if he can be a game changer on this level, like he was on the next level. But I think he has a, the, the opportunity to make an immediate impact especially with some of the some of the the shortness that the preseason is going to bring if he can come in and be effective early i think that actually gives us a really strong foundation early when other teams might actually struggle so i think that's going to be big for us the offense again is going to be huge for us and i think that uh, is, is going to again i guess draw the questions about if adam gates is a genius um, or if joe douglas has done enough with the offensive line to allow adam gates to even show any intelligence at all uh, with what it is that he's doing with his offense. I don't, I don't want to just, I want him fired. I'm just going to keep it real. If I'm just going to, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I want him to get out of here, man. I want him out of here yesterday. I wish he was going ready. 
I, I wish when when Joe Douglas came in, I wish Joe Douglas would have came in and be like, hey, nice to know. Thank you for getting me in. I appreciate you. Um, but you're fired. You're out. Peace. We're going to find somebody else. I wish you would have done that. Understanding how it worked, we, we couldn't have had it happen that way. I don't like Adam Gase. I think Adam Gase is a problem. I think Jamal Adams saw that. I think if Joe Douglas is intelligent, I think Joe Douglas is recognizing some of the deficiencies that comes with having Adam Gase as a coach. As a fan base, I think even some of us who might not know what it is that we're looking at on the field, um, we kind of have an idea that, you know, Gase is not it. Those of us who watch film and who watch players, and I know I'm interested to know what, what Daniel thinks about this, but um, I want Adam Gase out of here. Tyrone, I know, I know you, I, I know I've, I've listened to your, your takes on Adam Gase quite a bit, so I kind of know that we're, we're similar in this. Adam Gase is the X Factor. I don't even think it's Sam Donald so much as the X Factor. Adam Gase is the X Factor. If Adam Gase sucks, it doesn't make a difference how good <laughs> Sam Donald is going to be because Sam Donald is not going to be able to head coach his football team. Some of the things that Jamal Adams brought up in that article, whether if they are true, I think that's really difficult. I think it's even going to bring more light to some of the players that are still in the locker room that have to recognize that those things are actually happening. So, um, it was a great question. I think the defense is going to be good. The offense is the biggest thing. Um, I know we. I know we've got some other stuff to discuss. I just wanted to get that out because uh, any 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 anybody that that I think has followed this team um, can look at what it is that we saw last season and say that something needs to change. Personally, I think it's Adam Gase. We'll see how it's out. Daniel, I want. I'm curious to get your takes on Adam Gase. And what you think as a head coach, do you think that he's the guy to take, to lead the Jets into the future? Or do you think that right now he's just keeping the seat warm and the guy who's really going to take the Jets into the future is not yet in the building? He's not yet in the building. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing, okay? When I... When I when I was introduced to Adam Gase, I saw that press conference in his eyes. That was the most comical thing I've seen in football in 38 years. I think he hit a bong before the cameras went live. <laughs> I, I really do. I uh. laughed. I didn't even really know a lot about the guy. And I saw the press conference and I was like, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. I was like, this is incredible, right? I said, is, this a, is this a joke? Is this a meme? And I, and I started looking at other news sources. I mean, Newsday, every, you know, everybody had it on. His eyes are all over the place. And I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, this is, you know, I, you know, I'm like, this is interesting. See, Bill Parcells used to have a thing, okay? And his saying was, everybody wants the big job in New York until they get it, okay? There's a saying inside. I remember a pastor friend I used to live with in New York used to have a saying. As the pastor goes, so goes the congregation. I can assure yep. you guys of one thing. The mess we're seeing with Jamal Adams going all crazy and doing all this stuff and, and, and being all online and Twitter and everything, this is a reflection of Adam Gacy not being able to carry and control his locker room. This is the problem. So, no, the Jets don't have the guy. The guy didn't do well in Miami. How the National Football League keeps recycling guys who can't get the job done has always been one of the greatest unsolved mysteries I've ever seen in 38 years of time in the game. Yeah. I mean, this guy yeah. goes from Miami up to the Jets. It's like, it's like the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same things over and over and expect a different result. I, I don't think they have the guy, and I don't know Adam Gates personally, so I don't want to be too rough on the man. 
but I'll tell you this, you've got to have the type of personality that, that's like a Parcells, that's like a Tom Coughlin, that's like a Bill Belichick, you know, a guy, a guy like, you know, like, like you, you talking, CJ, you know, remind me when you were, you were talking there for a while about, about, uh, you know, about Jamal is you know, even Rex Ryan. You know, I didn't come here to kiss. You need to be that strong, charismatic leader. And you have to be able to carry the locker room. It's not a, it's not a place for everybody. The media eats people alive in New York. The pressure eats people alive. And, and if you don't have what it takes, it's not going to work. So I think I think the manifestation of Jamal Adams situation is indicative of Adam Gacy's inability to leave the locker room. Well said, Mr. Kelly. Well yeah, said. I, I I don't even want to go any any further beyond that. I think that basically is the definitive. Uh, yeah, shut up right there. Period. That's a wrap kind of thing right there. Thank you, Daniel. Welcome, Tyrone. Anything to add? <laughs> nah, man. Daniel knocked that out of the park, bro. <laughs> I mean, there's no. There's, you can't, bro. You can't ask me to go behind that one, bro. That was just, uh, he said everything I was thinking. I mean, we already that know that's the problem is leadership, man. That's that's the issue, man. And, and that's why you, you kind of give Jamal a little bit of a pass for a moment because you knew it was leadership. But the one thing Daniel said that I really agree with, man, well, everything, I, I agree with everything you said, but the, the most important thing, why do they keep re recycling trash? Why does the NFL <laughs> keep hiring the same Bad coaches, man. I mean, it makes no sense. I Wait a second. I think I've solved. <laughs> I I think I've solved this mystery. I think I've solved this mystery. Okay, it's the same reason that the New York Jets are the old age retirement home for the NFL. That's the reason why we always end up signing players on the on the downslopes of their career. Hey, let's just give Khalil Mack eight million. Hey, let's go and get this guy. Hey, let's go and get that guy. But I, I will say this though. Really? We, we Are draft, you passing we, out Jerry Paul studs. in the locker rooms or something? Yeah. We draft studs and trade him away for a forty-three-year-old, uh, you know, retreads. <laughs> well, I, I, I will. I will. Say, I will say this. And one thing I, I do want to make. I, I do want to make one point though. I do think what Joe Douglas has done so far, thus far, and I'm not. And I'm not saying you know, he has a long way to go, but it just shows his, you know, his true pedigree. And like you said, he he was raised under Ozzy, bro. You know what I'm saying? He spent he spent he spent time in Philly, bro. This this guy gets football. He has great football minds around him. And and one problem we've always had, we've never had stability in any point any fashion from the front office. It's been, you know, good coach, bad GM. Good GM, good coach for a little bit, boom. It all falls apart, man. But this this thing had to be towed down and rebuilt, and I'm just tired of a 20-year rebuild. But to be honest with you, I, I, I do think we're a better team than we were last year. Now, with the, with the loss of Jamal, you can't, you, can't, you can't compare what Jamal was, and I hate to see him go. But when a player caused that kind of distraction, you just – see, to me, trading was a bad precedent because the next person can do the same thing. So I would I would have made it difficult, but I know after that after those comments about the owner and the GM, bruh, his his days were numbered. You know what I'm saying? Why why show up when we don't want to be here? You're a distraction. And um, I think this this team rides on one thing, Sam Donald. That's what this 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 how far this team gonna go on on the shoulders of number 14. And I believe and believe me when I tell you this, this kid is the truth, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna turn this thing around by himself. Why should I tell you? I hope I, from from your lips to God's ears, my man. From your lips to God's ears, I hope that actually is is, is what that happens. Because I'm gonna keep it real, we've uh we we've got some challenges ahead of us right now. Um, and I know we're 
if, if, if we're lucky, we won't have to touch on the ownership situation, but I think we probably uh, would be remiss if we didn't do that before we ended the show. But uh, le le leadership is, uh, for, for, for lack of, of any better explanation, leadership is the reason why the New York Jets have been the laughing stock that we have for it as long as we have at this point because they haven't made the right decisions. And, and, and Daniel made a, a phenomenal point earlier, and I, and I know I kind of led him to it because he was giving all of the names of the folks that were in the building. And we're talking about some of the most intelligent football minds that most folks, um, even as, as much as I know you said we don't want to give Belichick uh, any props because obviously we hate him, he's a patriot, but Bill Belichick is one of the greatest football minds of all time. How, how can we dispute that? Um, and that's what we had here in the early stages and ownership is what allowed it to lead. So um, until ownership is resolved, I think there's going to be some questions. As of right now, I'm optimistic about what Joe Douglas's role in this is going to be. Uh, but until Joe Douglas actually shows that he has the capability of getting rid of Adam Gase, Tyrone, I know you have questions about Joe Douglas. That's the biggest question that I have. I don't think I have any questions about his player personnel uh, qualifications. Um, I think he's also done a great job of bringing in guys. Um, that double reporting system where both he reports to, to Chris or Woody, and so does Adam Gaines separately, I think that's a, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. Until that changes, we're going to have a problem. Tyrone, good stuff as always. My friend, give out your social media information before we let you go. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on for a few minutes, man. I really appreciate it. You can follow me at T-I-P-E-Z-Y um, Johnson on Facebook. And, um, you know, Tyrone Johnson, 54, on Twitter, man. And, and you know what I'm saying? Listening on hopefully this Tuesday, let's talk Jets. It's going to be a wild one. So, you know, yeah, now nah, we do it. Yo, hey, be, fellas, y'all be yeah. good. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Get on with Tyrone. Tyrone's that dude, man. Intelligent, funny, all of that. Jets fans, uh, you, you can do worse than having this guy in your follows and your feeds. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Tyrone, for coming. We appreciate <laughs> you. Tyrone, thank you again hey, for joining us, my friend. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Great I'll be blessed to be you. careful, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. You too. You Take care. Oh. All right. Be safe. Man, it's been a blessing tonight. We've had some really good guys, uh, to be honest. Uh, not to mention the fact that we started off with Daniel Kelly. Come on, man. <laughs> do, we, do we have somebody else on the line? Is there anybody else that wants to ride with nope. us tonight? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give out the number one more time just in case we still have some time left on the stream here. Uh, again, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, Mr. Kevin Jackson on the other side of the glass over there, and of course, joining us, our very special guest, Mr. Daniel Kelly, here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and also Sports War Radio. The telephone number to reach us if you want to have your voice heard on tonight's show is area code 646 8769923 be sure to enter the meeting id 2393357153 with the passcode 670537 all right so still plenty of time uh we still got a little bit to go here and uh, our final topic of the evening is actually believe it or not as Tyrone uh, kind of led off on it a little bit was the whole situation about the racist comments supposedly coming out about Woody Johnson. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to get uh, your gentleman's thoughts on it, just really quick as I set the table here. Um, there were apparently some uh, some either tweets or or verbal comments that were made by Jets owner Woody Johnson about him making misogynistic, 
racist and sexist remarks. Um, right now, currently, the United States State Department is actually launching an investigation. Their investigation is set to conclude sometime Tuesday, unless that timeline has changed, as to whether or not these allegations are true or not. Uh, Woody Johnson put out a statement late Thursday that sounded like it was more a robotic type of rebuttal to these remarks. Uh, obviously, Jamal Adams put his two cents worth in. There were a few other people that put their two cents worth in on social media. But I'm very curious to get your, uh, your, uh, you gentlemen's opinions on this situation. And it is a very serious situation that could, in fact, impact the uh, the New York football Jets in a major way. So, Mr. Kelly, we're going to start with you. Then we'll circle around to Jackson. I will finish it up. Absolutely. And, and, and I have a very strong opinion uh, about just about everything. And that's, like I said, part of the thing that got me in trouble with the Jets when I was there was I, I thought there was two guys around the building. I found out there was only one. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm a guy that has a really strong opinion about a lot of things, but I, I don't I want to reserve my opinion about this right now. I, and, and I don't I hate doing that, but, but I don't know all the facts. And it's so much hearsay at this point and so much just allegations and everything else. I really don't know one way or another. I just, I just, you know, I just want to see what the report says when it comes out. And um, I, I, you know, I don't know. There's, I, I know this in the National Football League. I do know this is that when, when your name comes up like this and they're trying to get you, there, there's a reason for it. Somebody's planted some seeds and somebody's here. And, and so it's, it's, I don't know. We just saw the big, the big thing happen to Washington with, with uh, Dan Snyder. And now we see this. Who's next? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a witch hunt for NFL owners. I don't know if this is something that, that has any truth or merit to it. I, I just don't know at this point. And I always like getting definitive answers. But on this one, I, I just don't have enough information to form a definitive response. Yeah. Kevin, uh, your thoughts? You know yeah, I, I, I think I'll, I'll be honest with you. As much as I feel a certain way about it, I think I would be um, remiss if I allowed myself to, to comment on something that I really don't know enough about. Um, if what it is that we've heard is true, um, I think this has repercussions that affects uh, not just this organization, but the league. Um, but I also don't necessarily know if the powers that be feel less strongly as some of us may about um, what it is that has been reported. Um, until we know for sure, then, then, then I, I, I'm sure it'll come out at some point. Um, do I like it? No. Am I comfortable with it? No. Do I think it probably is going to end up being something that we're going to deal with regardless of if we're, you know, worried about if there's going to be a season on the field or not? Yes. Um, if, I'm, if I'm not going to sit on the fence and just say this, I mean, you know, CJ, normally I don't bite my tongue when it comes to this stuff, but if it does come to be that it is true, um, I think that uh, the Johnson should no longer have any foothold in the NFL, and I think that the league should do something to make that happen too sweet. Um, but as of right now, we don't know. So I'll shut up. I said what I'll say. I said what I'll say. Um, I don't know. Um, I would like to have more information, but just as it stands as of right now, um, do I feel like Roger Goodell has the balls enough to kind of do what it is that he needs to do if this is actually true? No. Um, do I think there should be something done? Yes. Do I believe that it will? We'll see. I, yeah, I, 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 I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just bite my tongue on that. I'm done. 
But. Yeah, I I completely agree with the both of you. I just don't think that there's enough information out there for me right now to really make that much of an educated decision. But at first, when I when I heard about the initial reports, I was incredibly saddened about that because for everyone who's had dealings, at least those that have been reported by Woody Johnson and also Chris Johnson, they've treated everyone with the utmost respect. They've always handed them, handled themselves with class and dignity. They've always treated the people that they were around them with class and dignity. Now, what's said behind closed doors, I'm not privy to. But if, in fact, something like this was said behind closed doors, then yes, unfortunately, in today's world, all right, where we have so many different issues being brought to the forefront, uh, unfortunately, this is something that cannot be uh, let go. And I do believe that there should be some sort of punishment. Now, what type of punishment that should be, I have no idea. That's for people who make oodles and oodles of more money than, than I could ever make. And I'm not I'm not educated enough to make that type of decision. But if it is true that's, that Woody Johnson did say these things, then unfortunately something's got to happen because you can't have one person be vilified for it and not vilify the other doing something of a similar nature. So, hence, that's where I'm going to leave that. Anyhow, I want to end the show on a happy note. Yeah. Okay? Training camp opens in two days, guys. Two days. And even though we might not have any preseason football, uh, preseason football to look forward to, the NFL has spoken about that there are going to be 80 players on the roster this upcoming season. For how many games, we do not know. Right now, I think it's leaning toward we may end up having an 80-man roster throughout this entire 16-game season, which I am incredibly excited about. And the reason being is because we may, in fact, get the opportunity to see some undrafted free agents, some fringe players, get their opportunity to really make their mark on said football teams that they belong to should the need arise. Obviously, COVID-19 has made this a little bit more of a unique type of football season coming up. And I really wanted to get your opinions on it. We'll go in the same order. Daniel, we'll start with you. We'll circle back around with Jax. And then I will follow up the rear. Absolutely. I think this is going to be a season unlike any any other we've ever ever seen um, at a lot of levels. Um, you know, it just depends, you know, how, you know, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a scouting director for an NFL team. And he said, you know, what, how this is going to play out. I mean, if someone tests positive, you may have a head coach coordinator, all of a sudden they're out for quarantine for, you know, two weeks. It, it could be a situation where, you know, you have a star player, two or three, it, it's, it can wreak havoc, but it, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, the impact. Um, I know that uh, the people in Las Vegas are probably just speculating are probably pretty nervous about it in terms of the point spreads and stuff like that, because all of a sudden you could end up in a situation where Friday, where, you know, Russell Wilson's just not playing this week. And and I mean, it's, it's just going to be a very strange season. I'm not speaking that over his life, obviously, but it's going to be a very unlike any season we've ever seen before. Um, You know, I just, I'm no fans of the games. Um, you know, just all of it is going to be really, really bizarre. And, um, you know, I know everyone's excited to see football. And I know that from talking to people I know in the league, you know, the, the television networks are stepping up and probably giving an extra, you know, 30% or so to, to the NFL to make up for the lost ticket revenue. 
um, as well. Uh, but but it's it's going to be an interesting season to see how it plays out. It's almost going to be like the 82 or 87 strike seasons in a way, I think. It's going to be one of those seasons. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting where you're going to see some really, you know, the, the movie The Replacements, you know. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I, I, I want Washington to listen. I'll, I'll be the first one to write it down. I'll be the first one. I want Washington to change their name to the Sentinels, and I want somebody to go find me, Shane Falco. <laughs> find me, Shane Falco. <laughs> okay, now, now, now you're gonna make me have to go watch the movie, right? Okay. Yeah, um, abs absolutely. But I think it's just going to be bizarre. I think expect the unexpected. That, that, that's that's my kind of mantra for the season. Yeah. Listen, I, I agree, Daniel. As, as you're breaking it down, it, it, it's running through my mind that now we're talking about uh, the beginning of a season where those first games that actually are meaningful and, and are, you know, requisite as far as our record is concerned might still show a second half with replacement players in, um, depending upon how – you know, establishing how strong the starting, uh, you know, squads actually perform. Um, could we actually see, you know, the three games, four games in, where those third and fourth quarters of every game are going to, you know, be littered with guys that we don't even know who they are. We've never heard their names before, or they're, you know, just recently drafted players or maybe guys that we're trying to see. Um, how is it going to work out, you know, towards the middle and the end of the season? The guys do end up playing well. And, uh, you know, teams have needs, uh, you know, being able to swap, you know, mid-season is, you know, this season probably more than any. Um, we might actually see a lot a lot more of that than what it is that we have. So I think you're right. The 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 the, the wide openness, I know that's not a word, but, you know, how, how wide open it is as of right now, based on not only what it is that we're going to get on the field, if we get on the field, um, which is, you know, obviously the big question, but how everything works is going to be interesting to see. We've never done this before. Um, the strike season, you know, it's interesting to see. The replacement players, I maybe mean, substandard football, if that's how they wanted to call it. Um, but this is a little different because now we've got guys that are not, you know, I guess just, you know, being picked out of the grocery store. Um, we've actually had guys who probably could make teams in other, in other situations. We'll see how that works out. Um, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. It's going to be wide open. Does that change how it is that people see the schedule for this season? You know, everybody said we have one of the hardest schedules in the, you know, in the league coming up. Um, does that make a difference if, you know, we go in and, and you know, we kick Buffalo's ass for, for two quarters and then, you know, then we start to get a situation where now we're starting to rotate guys um, and maybe, you know, does that affect the outcomes of some games? You know, who knows? We saw, you know, we saw when guys that shouldn't be playing at the end of games end up playing. Um, and they get hurt and how that affects, you know, the, 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 the team and, and how the team's constructed. It's, it's a lot. I, I, we, we can, you know, talk about all of the, the nuances and intricacies out all night. But that's what I'm saying. That's what we're going into this season with the expectation. Who knows what the hell's going to happen. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Um, I think that our depth, as much as that has been in question for us, I think our depth in certain positions is going to be what separates us uh, from some, maybe some other teams. Um, we talked about this on live rounds. I know CJ Manu, we were, we were talking about this with, with Kevin Robbins last week on Facebook, but um, does that mean, you know, after we demolish the bills that uh, that 49ers game is so much more up in the air? It very well might be, believe it or not. I mean, Hey, look, 
I'm all for the 80-man roster because there could definitely be some players in which we can start rotating some players in and out, just like you said, to give some players the opportunity. Now, whether or not it'll affect the outcomes of games, who knows? I mean, if you're playing with a 20-point lead or a 30-point lead, then who really cares? Because then it's considered garbage time. But here's the thing. If, like Daniel said, if you get an offensive coordinator, a head coach, a defensive coordinator, test positive for COVID-19, you're now going to have assistants having to uh, having to call those games. If you have an offensive lineman or a running back test positive for COVID-19, you now have to rotate your you you now have to rotate your running back room. People that may not who you may not have projected or may not have thought getting uh playing time may now actually get playing time. So there are different eventualities in which each team is going to have to plan for. And every single team going into this this year's campaign is going with the same disadvantage. No preseason, not being able to get full tape on some guys, and basically just having to wing it. And you know what? Bring it on. Because this year of football may actually be, as some people classify this as possibly an unmitigated disaster i think this if the nfl finds a way to put this together and teams could go out there and actually go and play good old sandlot football peewee football high school football where things are not always as balanced as they seem okay we we could we could go out and see some of the best football that we have seen in a very long time okay so the nfl will not be known as the national fixed league or, or whatever the acronym is going to be for the for this for this season's campaign, let's go out and have fun. And plus, with the, with with, with the, uh, I'll, I'll let you get to your point in just a second. Even with the added playoff spot, that makes things more different. Makes things more interest, interesting because teams that may have been out of it by week four, by week six, even by week eight, you're still in it. There's still a chance. Yeah. Granted, your chance is about that big, but there's still a chance. The, the the Giants will tell you that you can go into the playoffs and and really not have a snowball chance, uh, you know, downstairs, and uh, you can make it happen. So there it is. Uh, Daniel, again, you kind of got me thinking because think about this: if if you start a running back, maybe comes down with it. your entire running back room that needs to be quarantined. So now you have no running backs. How, how do you negotiate that with other teams that have got 80-man rosters that might have two or three, uh, maybe, you know, maybe decent backs that are sitting if the team doesn't want to get rid of it, you know, because you have a need, what do you, what do you give up to get them? You know what I'm saying? I mean, just just the, 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 the outlandishness of really what's possible right now, um, it, it, it makes it all the more impactful. And just because I don't want to go back too far, but um, we've also seen some of these guys in Jamal Adams' draft class get contracts and extensions um, going forward. So there aren't all the teams that right now that seem to be so worried about cash and if they're going to be cash strapped or what the cap is going to look like because they've done these deals. Um, how could that really, you know, end up translating not just in this situation here, but in other teams and other situations around the league, this is going to be crazy. Um, <laughs> it's a weird season, but, but again, because when we get towards the end of the season, now we're talking about having that additional playoff uh, spot open. Does that does that kind of does nine and seven get us in? 
You know what I'm saying? Does ten and six win a division? If we get in, a, if we get in a wild card at, at nine and seven, um, could it be where the team that we could it be that the team that we play has one of those issues with running backs? And uh, you know, now they got they got you know third and fourth and fifth string guys playing, um, you know, postseason football. Who knows? Mind blown, right? This is going to be crazy. This is fun. I don't like it, but it's going to be exciting. I don't like all the uncertainty. I would prefer that we have something a little more concrete. Um, if we play football, I hope that we do get something like that. I don't know. This is this is going to be weird. Another reason why I'm glad that we have uh, folks calling in because I feel like I'm just over the place. Am I waffling, CJ? <laughs> Wrap me up. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. This, this is so scary. Like I don't, I don't even know how to how to go forward right now. What are, what are we doing? Man. Well, first off, let's let Daniel answer your question, and then I'll I'll follow up with that next point. Well, it, it is good. I mean, it is going to be a, an interesting season, unprecedented season. I mean, it really is. I mean, we don't know. We have no idea. It might be. I mean, if anyone bets out there in football games, it might be a great year to bet because you are not going to have the National Pixel League like you're talking about, CJ. You know, no, no one's going to know what's going to happen. But I do know this. America needs football now more than they probably ever yeah. have in the history. Um, you know, people, you know, whatever happens, happens. But people need the football games. They need some sense of normality. Um, in our society. And another factor too, I'm kind of interested to see how it happens. You know, we talked about, you know, who's going to test positive, everyone's going to test positive for the COVID-19. Uh, th- these guys are, you know, you get a guy like like Tank, uh, you know, down in uh, uh, Dallas, and he's talking about, you know, I may just sit out, you know, I may just take a pass and sit out and just, just see the birth of my child in October. All of a sudden you may have star players like that that, that don't test positive necessarily, but they just decided to stop wanting the risk for their family. And they've made so much bank, they don't really need to take the risk. And so it just really depends. It's going to be a very, very interesting season. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be great to see the football back on the field, no matter what it is. Uh, as long as we can see the guys put on the helmets and, and the plays called, I think it will be a great thing. Um, I, I just hope and pray that, you know, all of a sudden people don't start testing positive left and right, because I think the worst thing that could happen in America right now is just watching the NFL go up in smoke and all of a sudden they have to start canceling the games and everything. The morale of the country would go right in the tank. Uh, I, I don't think that would be good at all. So I'm hoping for the best in the situation, but it will be really exciting. I think we'll see a bunch of guys maybe we've never seen before. I, I think that it, it's just going to be kind of, you know, anybody's ball game, so to speak. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, we are too. And we, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, America needs football. We need it very, very quickly. NFL, please yeah. get your stuff together and let's get this going. All right. So, you know, ladies and this is no. I'm, I'm just saying this is this, to that point, and I'm thinking historically how much we actually need football. I know 9/11 was a really big deal, and having worked in one of those buildings, you know, it, we we did we needed, you know, we needed football. This is a completely different, you know, kind of a scenario. Getting football back might be safe. It might not be possible. We needed it to heal, but it was safe to do so then. Now, you know, we don't know if it's safe. It's a crazy time. What a time we live in. Daniel, thank you for thank you for being on the show, man. See, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks for having me, Kevin and CJ. This has been awesome. This, this has been a uh, a really cool two hours. I, I don't want it to end. That That's how I know it's right? a great show. <laughs> yeah, we don't want it to end either, unfortunately. Right. I tell you, this is this has just been a blast. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in live to listen to the Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast. 
Mr. Daniel Kelly over there. Daniel, before we wrap it up, please give out all your social media information. And again, where followers and fans of the Weapon Top broadcast can actually purchase that copy of what whatever it takes. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me online um, uh, on Twitter at, at Daniel Kelly Book. Uh, that, that's my main social media. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Daniel Kelly. Uh, my book's available, whatever it takes. There I am. I, I see the Super Bowl banner in the background there, Super Bowl <laughs> champions there, CJ. That trophy right there is the trophy I was playing in front of. Yeah. I think that's on the front cover of my book, right? Whatever it takes. Bring so, back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can find, you can go to whateverittakesbook.com. Uh, to find the, uh, you know, the story, the background of the book, the true story of a fan making the NFL kind of one, one, one of a kind type of story. Um, also available anywhere online where books are sold, whether it be Amazon, it's your choice, uh, Barnes & Noble. The, the thing I want to convey is this book, really briefly, guys, this book is not about just, hey, look at me, uh, you know, wow, what a story. You know, this book is about you. This book, is, the fact of the book, it says it's a story of perseverance and a message of hope. This book is about, about helping you get to where you need to go in your life. It's about letting you know that dreams can come true no matter how big you think. So like I said, I was a guy who, who couldn't even get on the field in high school, and I got hired by, by, by Parcells and Billichuk to work for the New York Jets, and, and it was a dream come true. If I can do that coming from nowhere, you can accomplish anything, and that's what the book's about. It's about inspiring you. It's about helping you. It's about, it's about helping you get to where you go because if you have a dream, if you can see it, you can achieve it. And that's really what this book is about. Amen to that. So, ladies support and gentlemen. Book, support the fam. Support the that's book. It. Support the fam. Do Thank it. You. No question. All right, so you can follow Weapons Hot at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime on the other side of the glass over there, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. Don't forget to shoot the show an email, WeaponsHotPodcast at gmail.com. You could also find us on Facebook. You could find us on Spreaker.com forward slash Sports War Radio. You could also find some of our podcasts on SoundCloud.com, YouTube.com, and any place else where you get your podcast or broadcast fix. And also, don't forget to check us out every Sunday night at 7 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, for Mr. Daniel Kelly, Mr. Kevin Jackson, this is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off for tonight. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Go Jets. Peace and love. Jamal, have fun in Seattle. Not. (laughs) The Jets are coming for you, baby. Get ready. Duly noted. <laughs> you're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.